0: Welcome, Matthew Grant here and if this is the first time you've joined us, well we are delighted to have you listening in and if you have returned having to to previous episodes, well it's fantastic that you've chosen to come back for more. Now we are seeing a trend of founders at Instech London that have been successful because they have developed business propositions to fill a very specific need and then they've built out some clever technology. And in the last few years, many of those companies have been successfully signing up clients and partners. Well, Evan Glassman is one of those people. Prior to co-founding New Paradigm, he was an insurance agent. But when he couldn't find the cover he needed to give his clients full protection from hurricane loss, he got together with Bradley Meyer and they co-founded New Paradigm RE to offer parametric insurance. Now, they were one of the first companies that was launched to offer parametric insurance as a core of what they do. Simple idea, an elegant solution, and like many of our guests, they have built robust and often unique technology at the heart of what they're doing. But whereas most companies only need to build digital solutions, New Paradigm also had to build its own physical technology, which requires three large trucks to shift and install. You'll hear more about that in a moment. Now, as always, lots here for everyone, whether you are building a company yourself working at an insurer, looking for who to partner with, looking at investments or just want some inspirational innovation. So plug in, lie back, work out or whatever else takes your fancy and join Evan and I for the next 30 minutes. Evan, great to have you on board. Uh, You fall into the category of what I actually just described earlier on today for the first time as mature tech, meaning you've been around for longer than the whole insure tech world, uh, but you've got a business, you've got clients, you're making money, and you're in a very exciting new area that we're going to hear a lot more about. So you're one of the co-founders for New Paradigm Underwriters. I noticed on the website or on your LinkedIn profile, you describe yourself as what others exclude. We're going to learn a bit more about that in a minute. But I'd also, I think, describe you as one of the truly tech enabled MGAs because your tech is so much at the heart of what you do. So again, looking forward to hearing more about that. First of all, great to have you on board and it looks like the sun is shining with you in Miami.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice day here today and thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Matt. One
0: of the things you're offering is Parametric Supplemental Hurricane Insurance. I know you've also got a product called Shake and Pay, but for those people who aren't familiar with what Parametric is... Uh, we like to see if people can come up with an elegant way of describing it. So how would you describe parametric insurance?
1: Parametric insurance comes from the word parameter. So it's parameters uh, around uh, various events. Uh, New Paradigm focuses on natural catastrophes, hurricanes, and earthquakes. And that's what parametric uh, insurance is. It's triggered by the independent event parameters. So you
0: found it back in 2013. Hurricanes as a, a loss-causing event, a well-known in the U.S. Insurance has generally covered that. So why do people need to have parametric insurance for hurricane?
1: Most purchases of insurance are because people are required to. Uh, and it's very uh, cost-sensitive, uh, the way that the the industry has evolved. And the insurance really attaches excess of a pretty significant layer of the most likely losses. And that's by design generally to financially insulate the insurers from all but the most extreme losses uh, in hurricanes and earthquakes.
0: Okay. So people coming to you, they're looking for some kind of, sounds like a kind of top-up cover or protection on their deductibles.
1: So most people think of it as deductibles. And uh, if you're catastrophe exposed, they're very meaningful. Uh, They're generally a percentage of the total value insured. So it could be 2%, 3%, 5%, 10% or more, uh, but that's only one part of the problem. The other part of the problem are all of the exposures to economic loss that insureds have that one, aren't insured, and two, don't count towards the accumulation of that deductible liability. We like to think of it in total cost of risk, all of the exposures that are difficult to impossible to insure traditionally. Uh, and uh, you know, as painful as it is, uh, and a you know exhibit a on that is um what a lot of organizations are unfortunately going through right now around not having business interruption cover uh on their policies because the insurer doesn't deem there's physical damage so uh the economic losses can be significantly broader than than what's traditionally insured or insurable
0: yeah big lesson from uh, from last year so there are people out there buying this product you started a business in 2013 I mean what was it that gave you and Brad the motivation to start the business up?
1: I was a uh, a retail insurance agent in the uh, middle market in South Florida. My personal client base at the time were resort hotels and high-rise condominiums that go up and down the coastline down here in South Florida. The products that the insurance industry was providing at that time, they really weren't fully addressing what's going to actually happen to my clients or consumers in general uh, when the hurricane comes. So uh, I started researching the uh, the problem, started researching reinsurance and the capital markets coming into reinsurance, uh, reached out to RMS when I found some technology uh, to measure hurricane force winds. Uh, we had them produce what's called a hazard analysis. And when that came back and realized that, that this would work and it's a, a scalable global business, I, I approached my business partner, uh, Brad Meyer, with the idea uh, to form the company. Uh, Brad, in his previous life, uh, founded and, and built from scratch what's now uh, the largest homeowner's insurance company in Florida and their top 15 nationally. So he was in the process of uh, trying to slow down and, and, and take a break when I approached him with the idea for, for New Paradigm back in early 2013.
0: I remember it well because I was at RMS at the time. I remember one of the challenges was that for parametric triggers for Hurricane, the, the sort of traditional conventional wind speed recorders were failing when you actually had catastrophic wind speeds it was one of the challenges you had wasn't it in terms of designing the structures
1: yeah the uh there was a a real lack of data so um you know one of the things that makes new paradigm unique and really the rubber meets the road with the trigger design for parametric it's quite frankly uh the difference between the product working or not working so we are uh, our mantra is to make sure we have as robust of a triggering methodology as possible. But uh, the genesis of the technology, and these are what's called hurricane-hardened anemometers, was following 2004 and 2005, when eight hurricanes made landfall in the state of Florida, it was recognized that there was a real lack of data around the wind speeds that hurricanes produce over land. Uh, The anemometers at airports, at TV stations, uh, they're not designed to reliably operate in those extreme conditions. And oftentimes, they would just fail. So it was actually your former company, RMS, who's one of our platform partners and a Bermudian reinsurer that collaborated with a meteorological data company called Weatherflow uh, to create this technology that, you know, to reliably operate and record, you know, the most extreme uh, hurricane force winds. Uh, The technology has been around now for over a decade. It's uh, everything has worked 100% of the time uh, so far, and and we're capturing a, a lot of Really good data uh, around uh, hurricanes.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting story. And I guess the other thing that differentiates or differentiates you back then, I think, still does to a certain extent. I mean, that day there were parametric triggers for the large, you know, large value cap bonds or IS markets. But you, you know, given your background, were coming in looking at it slightly differently, weren't you? So I think your clients then, and probably still today, are slightly different than the original sort of cap bonds for alternatives to reinsurance and retrocession
1: a large portion of our business is insurance companies, reinsurance companies and ILS investors that use our parametric platform to hedge their own exposures. We also have the ability to offer very small limit, very small premium policies. So it's opening up a a very large universe uh, and to efficiently be able to do that. It's not like, uh, you know, when you do a cat bond with the structuring on that, that's a pretty significant endeavor. Uh, We've, uh, standardized a lot of it and, and built it to scale.
0: I just want to come back to your your point before about the ammo monitors. I hope I've said that correctly. Is that right, AMO, Animal. I'm not going to try and In, repeat that.
1: Amomometer. <laughs> I'll
0: let you say it, I'm not going to try it again. Okay. Uh, But it's really interesting because you've built a product, literally a physical product, to enable a financial product. But can you just talk a bit more about those? Yeah, I'm an engineer by background. I'm quite intrigued by how these things work. And I think it helps if people can visualize what you've done with Weatherflow.
1: Most of them are on steel-reinforced concrete poles. Uh, The poles weigh about 8,000 pounds. In order to get these there, it requires three large trucks, one semi-trailer to transport the pole, uh, a second big truck with a large drill on the back of it. It's the same technology that when you're building a high rise, when you need to plant the pilings into the ground, it's the same machine. Uh, and then a third crane to set the pole into the ground and then it's set in concrete. So, pole's not going anywhere. A, nor- a normal sized human being can't wrap their arms around the base of it. It's, you know, you hit it with the car, the car is going to get damaged, not the pole. Um, the anemometer instrument itself. Uh, and they're generally up at what's called the Safer Simpson meteorological observation height, which is uh, 10 meters. That's a meteorological constant. Uh, The instrument itself is rated up to 224 miles per hour. Uh, There's no such thing, but if there was, that would be a category seven hurricane. Uh, It's solar with a 10-day battery backup, relies on no ground-based power. Uh, The data is communicated up through the cellular network. Uh, It's also securely captured at the anemometer on uh, on a flash drive. So, uh, the transparency around it is our central tenet of the way new paradigm structures uh, our parametric contracts. And it's a true differentiator in that you know both the buyer and the seller of protection can log into the same website during the same storm. And they know pretty much in real time, subject to the cellular network being functional at that time, what the wind speeds are and, and what the recovery levels are uh, in almost real time. The transparency really resonates with um, the folks that we deal with.
0: And that's really interesting. I mean, people are talking about sensors and IoT and you know, monitoring buildings, but really, I mean, you were doing that right back from the beginning. You've created the data, you can share it between both parties, and you're deploying it. And, and so how many of those have you got now installed across the, I guess it's what the US Eastern Eastern Coast or Southern Eastern states? Yeah, we're
1: approaching hundred in the United States. Uh they start, you know, in Corpus Christi, Texas, wrap around the Gulf Coast, 41 in Florida. Uh, straight up the Atlantic into the Massachusetts. Uh, we've also built out the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico with five down there. And we are uh, in the process of uh, building out the Caribbean and other areas uh, as needed.
0: And that's presumably also, I mean, when you started, I think I'm correct, you had to basically deploy those where your clients were. But now, presumably, you've got enough of a grid do you, that you can sort of measure it for a property virtually anywhere.
1: The network is was sited. At least the initial part of it was cited a lot with a lot of input from RMS uh, to correlate with, uh, you know, insured values, coastal insured values, as well as uh, uh, the stochastic event set of tracks that could potentially impact certain areas uh, to get the data. And then we've expanded the network around, you know, just individual opportunities or areas where there's demand, where there wasn't uh, good coverage.
0: And then on the distribution side, I mean, one of the challenges I've heard elsewhere when people are looking at selling parametric products is the brokers don't always understand them, or the agents, or they're too complicated. I mean, what's it been like for you selling that? Have you got people now that are educated in what you're doing and and looking for opportunities for you?
1: More and more, and you know, with the benefit of hindsight, if you would have asked me eight plus years ago to identify what I would forecast as you know our biggest challenges in in growing the space. Being a uh, you know a former insurance producer, I never would have picked having insurance agents and brokers that want to sell more insurance to their clients. But that was a, a really big challenge to get the broker community to really even pay attention uh prior to 2017. And then we noticed uh, a pretty significant change in 2017, in that you had you know Harvey, Irma, and Maria, and You know, things are in recent memory and just some of the limitations around traditional insurance, both with what's covered and not covered. And then the claims process, uh, which can be very frustrating to policyholders, uh, that led to a significant increase in demands that's continued to grow uh, at a pretty significant clip every year since then.
0: Yeah, and no, it's another big driver, isn't it, of of innovation? I would say you know, innovation sort of happens after something else happens. It rarely happens in a, in a vacuum. And and so, have you seen? Is it more of a driver in the areas where hurricanes have happened, and people either through rates or because yeah. they're more aware of it, and they tend to come to you?
1: It's human nature. You know, a lot of people go through life driving through the rearview mirror, uh, and then as human beings. We are naturally programmed to have what we term a recency bias. So if something hasn't happened in a while, it's out of sight, out of mind, and also an optimism bias where, you know what, this, it's probably not going to happen. The conversations that we have with both buyers and brokers in areas that have been recently impacted by a large hurricane or, or significant earthquake uh, are very different conversations than we're having in areas that have not been impacted mm-hmm. by that in recent memory.
0: And, and what about the pricing? I mean, you mentioned RMS, and I know you work with other models, but do you use that as part of the way when you're, when you're pricing the triggers? Do you take into account the, the model analysis as well?
1: Well, we use uh, the hazard event set. So there's really, a, at its most basic level, the models have really two inputs. You have you know the event set, which are the hazard probabilities. So what's the probability of wind speeds at this location exceeding a certain amount in any given year? Uh, And then the second input with modeling is, okay, how is my portfolio or my risk going to perform in event A through, you know, triple Z? And that produces the the damageability output. With Parametric, we don't care about the damageability. It's about the hazard. So we price and our our capital partners uh, come up with a view on risk and price based upon uh, the hazard frequency and the hazard severity.
0: Yeah, and that point you made there about damage is another important feature of parametric, which is is less asymmetric risk because both parties have essentially got the same information about the the hazard. They don't need to know what the state of the building is or predict what a policyholder is going to be doing to their building. It's just simply done on the the likelihood of the event
1: occurring. Correct. So it makes it attractive for both sides. Uh, And then what about from a regulatory point of view?
0: Because different states or different insurance commissioners have got, I think, different views on... Parametric insurance I mean you must have solved that problem now in terms of this not being seen as gambling and being a credible
1: insurance offer. Well, it is. so a so few things. one you know we operate uh, generally as a non admitted product and two it's, it's insurance uh, the index triggers it so the parameters trigger it and the insured needs to have economic loss and they need to attest to having that economic loss by signing and having sworn uh, a proof of loss so it, it's very much insurance you cannot profit. Uh, from insurance.
0: Good. And then just on the MGA side, can you talk about who's providing your capacity and the balance between US and Europe?
1: It's a growing panel of both domestic, Bermudian and European capacity. Uh, ultimately, there's a fair amount of, of ILS uh, that ultimately bears a lot of it, but it's uh, you know, there's balance sheets. So there's large insurance companies that the insurance policyholder is going to be facing. And it's a growing panel.
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly an you know, increasingly attractive marketplace, as, as you said. And then you touched on claims, but I know you've had some claims experience. You've been around long enough. You know, you've had hurricanes coming through. Can you just talk about examples of you know, where the claims experience has been better for the policyholder based on you know, where you structured the, uh, the coverage?
1: One of our insurance company clients uh, last year in Sally had a, a recovery in a matter of days uh, following uh, Sally's impact on the coast. Maria in Puerto Rico uh, we had a financial institution client or, or a policyholder there and they were paid in full 13 days post landfall So there was no electricity in Puerto Rico at the time. We had to wire money to their Florida office but um, you know when the event happens and when the triggers work and the contracts work uh, As designed and the insured knows almost in real time, you know, what's coming to them and how quickly it's an awful experience but it's, you know, it's an opportunity and it's, it's some of our best marketing are, you know, the policyholders that have had the product work correctly.
0: Mm. And what about basis risk? You know, the, the, the fact that the, the actual payout may be different than the loss. I mean, this is a it sounds like it's a top up cover, so maybe less of an issue than if people were relying on it solely for insurance. But is that is that either a barrier in selling it or is it an issue when it comes to claims payment?
1: Well, you bring up a great point and I want to unpack that a little bit. So basis risk exists and the definition of basis risk is just a, a difference between, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the loss and then what's triggered. Uh, there's also a different form of basis risk in traditional insurance and that's everything that's not covered in the contract, whether it's deductibles or whether it's an exposure not insured or whether it's the claims process, which could be, you know, a long drawn out negotiation that could take a year or two or more. Uh, So that's basis risk and traditional. The basis risk and parametric is if the policyholder has loss, the amount of loss doesn't trigger or the loss is much greater than they anticipate in a weaker event. And what we do at New Paradigm in, in our mantra on this really is to make sure that we're designing the correct product with the appropriate triggers for the insured. Some of the levers that we have that can impact pricing are... You know, where the cover attaches from a wind speed severity standpoint, where it exhausts, and that impacts the rate that the insured pays. Okay, for those of you not familiar
0: with insurance, what Evan is talking about here is the terms of the insurance policy. And in this case, specifically what is known as the insurance layer. This is where the cover attaches. well, what that normally means is that the actual loss amount suffered by the policyholder above which the insurance would pay out. Now, for parametric insurance it's slightly different. So for hurricane, that would be the wind speed at which needs to be reached to trigger a payout. So it could, for example, be one hundred miles per hour. And then Evan also refers to when the cover exhausts, and that refers to the point at which no more payout is made, maybe one hundred and twenty miles per hour for parametric insurance. This is also known as the limit, as you will hear in a few minutes.
1: The lower the rate, the more attractive that looks to the insured. It's easier for the broker to sell it. But is that product really going to be responsive to the needs of the purchaser? So we're in daily conversations with buyers, potential buyers and their advisors around not focusing so much on rate, but get the right product, maybe buy less limit but get a product that's going to be responsive to your needs in multiple uh, claims events. You started
0: off in Hurricane, but I know you've, you're offering Earthquake. You've got a product called, I think, Shake and Pay. Is that right?
1: We shake, we pay.
0: <laughs> and what about the triggers for that? I'm guessing you're kind of using the USGS or other publicly yeah. available data for that one.
1: So unlike with Hurricane, with Earthquake, there's uh, a lot more data uh, around. Uh, so, yes, we use USGS and we use uh, shake intensity uh, in regions. So there's more of a correlation uh, between damage and economic loss between uh, the shaking, which is the the energy of the earthquake, versus uh, the magnitude, which is just the size and the location. So we use uh, a shake intensity basis for shake intensity.
0: And we talked a bit about your your customers, but you, what, what's the sort of smallest type of transaction you do? Are you offering... For example, to homeowners for either hurricane or, or earthquake, or is it more businesses?
1: It's more more businesses, but we do have homeowners that we insure. And then, what about the community of people in
0: parametric insurance? I noticed I was part. I've actually joined it virtually. You did an excellent conference last year, and Gloria worked very hard to pull that together. But you know, what is the community like? Are you sort of sharing ideas with people out there, or is it still seem to be somewhat sort of independent people going out about their own roles?
1: Well, I mean, it's both. I view it as a, a responsibility to be responsible and make sure that we're designing appropriate products, and you know, not targeting uh, too low of a rate for for things that you know, if, if the hurricane comes and a lot of contracts are expected to trigger and they don't, that's not in anyone's interest. It's a growing competitive field. There's more and more people getting into it, uh, both you know that you could see with direct channels, and then there's other people. Uh, that are coming in on a purely blind reinsurance basis uh, that are providing capacity to the space.
0: Yeah, and it certainly seems it's at the stage where there's enough for everybody out there. And and partly, as we talked about earlier, it's educating the brokers. So they're you know, able to go and sell it and you cross a broader broker network. So Evan, what about anybody listening who thinks this is great? I want to go and you know explore this as a, a cover from New Paradigm. You know, how, do, how do people find out the brokers or the agents they can use to find their cover, or they might want to be there as a capacity. So two questions in there. But yeah. what's the best way to get to know more about you?
1: You know, you can just ring us. Um, you know, we have the the website, and you know, we're very searchable uh, online. But uh, we have a growing uh, group of of brokers, producers, and and advisors that are familiar with with our products and are able to uh, you know answer questions. You know, most of the large global insurance brokers we have uh, extensive trading relationships with. Uh, in the US, we have many direct retail relationships. We also have uh, robust wholesale relationships with some of the leading wholesalers. So, um, you know, the products are available for those that, uh, you know, that want to uh, access them.
0: It's a great success story. What's your view about non hazard or re- yeah, non hazard related parametrics? Do you see some things evolving in that area? I mean, gonna, you talked a bit before about non damage business interruption but what are your thoughts about those as a sort of way of solving some of the other sort of intangible type assets
1: the real central tenets for parametric you need to have uh robust uh data that goes back you know uh, as as long as possible uh and then you need to have the you know with that data you have the ability to come up with probabilities of certain events occurring or not occurring and that's how you can price things and you just need the independent data and that's really all that's It's required. I mean, there's weather covers that have been around for a long time based upon, you know, excess precipitation or drought levels or freeze levels. Uh, So if it can be independently measured uh, and there's enough data there, it can be done.
0: Okay, but what about, say, cyber, for example? I mean, there's, there's people looking at doing cyber parametric covers, a few out there. But you see that as being sort of mainstream or is it just the data too hard to get or not enough history behind that?
1: Cyber cyber's a challenging one. It uh, you know, and it's very similar as well as pandemic because uh the cyber cover, it's not like uh, by definition, the hurricane is not going to impact the entire US coastline. It's gonna impact uh, just a, a small area or a region. So, you know, with cyber, it's something that could potentially, you know, do what COVID did, where if it's a big enough, you know, cyber attack, it could take down everything at the same time. So that's what makes it uh, you know, a challenging uh peril.
0: Yeah, your sort of lack of correlation is the sort of classic way insurers survive. And if you can't demonstrate you've got good correlation, then it's very hard to do it. But I'm sure you've people knocking on your door helping solve that problem as well. I think if anyone can figure out how to create a pandemic parametric product, there's going to be a, bit, a lot of interest in that. But as you say, you've got to be quite confident you can... Constrain it, and um, by definition of pandemic, it's global anyway. So it's kind of, it's almost, Mm -hmm. it almost shouldn't exist by definition. I'm guessing. Um, Well, good. I've 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 asked you a lot of questions. Anything we haven't covered that you you think is important to talk about?
1: Yeah. Well, the the other side, we've been focusing a lot on the uh, the benefits to the uh, the policyholder for offering risk transfer for uh, things that are, are not covered by their traditional insurance and giving them a rapid infusion of liquidity. Um, the macroeconomic term for that is the global natural disaster protection gap, and that's measured, you know, into the trillions of dollars of exposure that's not coming into the insurance market. The insurance and reinsurance industry covers uh, about one third of the total economic losses for each disaster in the New York area in the Northeast. You know, New- America is one of the most heavily insurance penetrated countries in the world. A uh, superstorm Sandy impacted that several years ago. That area. Uh, total insured losses, including the National Flood Insurance Program, were pegged at around $22, $23 billion. Uh, Total economic losses were pegged by independent third parties at north of $70, $70 billion. So, you know, that's pretty consistent with with every event. And it's a, a great opportunity. And when we're talking, you know, we focus a lot on the protection buyers, but some of the benefits of parametric to the protection sellers are, One, you know up front and almost in real time what your worst loss is. Uh, And two, we're expanding the pool of what's insurable, so bringing more risk in, more opportunity to deploy capital. But with Parametric and what resonates really well uh, is the risk sellers are not going to get surprises. They're not getting uh, adverse loss developments from four years ago. Uh, There's not that reserving challenge. You know almost immediately uh, what the worst loss is going to be. And then with the Insurance link securities investor side, it really solves for the uh, trapped collateral problem that, uh, that's been causing some challenges there.
0: This issue of trapped collateral has been a problem with the catastrophe bond. Or- cap bond market, also known as ILS or insurance linked securities, where there have been bonds triggered by more traditional insurance losses due to financial loss or indemnities, it's called. And these can take months, sometimes even years to determine if the catastrophe bond has actually been triggered because it takes that long to settle the loss. Now, during this time, the investor's capital can't be reused elsewhere. And it also causes problems for the fund manager, trying to value their fund. They don't know exactly how those bonds are going to perform. This is what happened during the wildfires, hurricanes and typhoons in 2017 and 2008 when some cap bonds were triggered. As Evan says, parametric triggers don't usually have this problem, or at least not if the trigger has been well designed.
1: So, you know, the opportunity to deploy on parametric is is very attractive to uh, protection sellers as well as the buyers. I, mean,
0: I guess part of the challenge though, that protection gap is... You've got people who don't necessarily understand or have confidence in parametric or even maybe that are not allowed to buy insurance that way. I mean, a lot of that gap, I think, is government. Of course, if you go into the developing world, you've got much, much even bigger challenges. Do you, do you see that? We talked about the brokers. But do you see that education expanding into some of the other buyers out there and people one step further removed from the insurance buying process?
1: Yeah, no, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, folks like like yourself and your organization and, you know, generating more and more awareness since, you know, I founded New Paradigm with my partner a little over eight years ago, we've been on a, you know, eight-year educational roadshow. And, you know, now more and more people are uh, learning about it. It's, it's just the pace is accelerating rapidly. We decided a year ago that it was time for a conference dedicated solely to Parametric. So, we were able to curate, uh, you know, some incredible content. We had, uh, you know, some really uh, powerful speakers, people in the industry representing, you know, the biggest brokers, the biggest reinsurers, uh, the modeling companies. We had a, a panel on the buyer's perspective. So it's, uh, you know, great content and one of the uh, I don't want to say the benefits of uh, this lockdown virtual world that we were in, but it was done virtually, so the content, you know, is there and we were able to. Open it up to a very broad audience a lot broader than people that would have been able to travel to to Miami in in April
0: yeah and you did a nice job of, sort of chopping that up as well so people can see bits of it uh, so what's going to happen this year are you going to try and do it virtually again try and do it for real or too early
1: to commit too early to commit, but we're going to uh, explore doing a hybrid approach where you know some of the people that may be comfortable uh traveling and are able to uh, but we're kind of in a wait and see it's targeting towards the end of the year again uh, for it, and we'll we'll see how things develop.
0: Well, you set a high standard for yourselves to live up to, so uh, maybe some some shortcuts, but they uh, you know, did a really good job. I mean, we you know, we saw a similar effect. We did our um, parametric insurance report, which of course we covered you in. You had a lot of interest on that and actually also what's intriguing about, I'm sure you found the same thing when you do these events and reports. It's the people that you didn't know about that then sort of turn up and say, "Well, we you know we should have been invited to that or been covered." So it's it's still quite a nice size of community um, out there. And again, you don't need to answer this question, but I don't want to put you on the spot. But are there any other companies when you look out there as sort of partner companies or other people doing parametrics that you, you like to look of?
1: There's a couple of other uh, MGAs that are in the space and, and doing a good job. We trade with uh, with, with a couple of them, and then. Uh, you, we're seeing more carriers that are, are getting in the space and developing those capabilities. Some are doing it uh, on, a, uh, on a direct basis, uh, and then others are uh, choosing a partner with, with MGAs such as ourselves that are uh, in the parametric space uh, with us. And there's more and more uh, household names that uh, you may not think of as a, a parametric provider uh, that are now in the market in, in the parametric space.
0: Yeah. I mean the MGA model is a great way for them to test the concept, isn't it? And you've got this, you've got the expertise, you've got the distribution to the brokers. You know, at some point, you know, who knows where it might end up if they, if they like what they see. But it's a it's a really interesting angle of innovation that for the some of the big carriers.
1: With parametric, it all gets down to uh, you know, the trigger and in how the trigger works and, and making sure uh that's there. The data and the the technology is uh, you know, it's been very powerful for New Paradigm.
0: Yeah, and, you know, those that have been around for a while and see how these things play out, you know, there's a reason for why you got to get that right, particularly, you know, things that might look simple like hurricanes are not always that simple when they can occur, and uh, there's a tough way to learn when they don't quite perform, but, you know, you've, I think the way you've done it is fantastic, building out the wind speed recorders. Um, well, Evan, listen, that was tremendous, and thank you very much for your support for what we're doing at Insta. I really appreciate that. You know, we've now got our summer party confirmed for the end of July, so if you fancy a trip over to the UK, Love to see you over here.
1: <laughs> Before the pandemic, several times a year, i be going be over there, and uh, I definitely miss traveling.
0: Yeah, well, if not July, we'll, well, hopefully we'll see you maybe later in the year. I think it looks like certainly, you know, from our end, things are opening up. It sounds like the U.S. is making good progress, so hopefully we're getting through this, and uh, hey, might even start to do some of these things um, face-to-face for real, real face-to-face, not digital face-to-face in a few months' time.
1: That would be nice.
0: Excellent. Well, well hopefully you do catch up again soon, and yeah, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing how, seeing how things develop over the course of the year and, of course, the course of the hurricane season just around the corner. Yes. Thanks, Evan. Cheers. It is such an honour to speak to so many founders of such great companies. And what's more, almost everyone you hear on our 138 podcast is also supporting us at InStack London. And we are active around the world these days, but I'm sure you'll be glad to know that we are lining up our physical events again for the rest of the year. First up will be our members party this summer in late July. If you're not yet a member, want to come along and want to know how you can help us or help you, please do contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn or hello at instec.london.